Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Eggnana Chit Chat Ming Zui ABC. This is the second and last part of my conversation with multimedia producer Ali Wilson. We continue to chat about the topic of race in Canadian media. Now let's jump right back into it. Let's move on to this part where um, I know because you and I used to vet each other's work because we sat beside each other. Mm-hmm. We just quickly vet it. And mm-hmm. I know when we made, you know, um, uh, what do you call those things? Videos with text on them. We try to use photos that featured people of color. Mm. And I felt like you and I knew that it was an important thing to do. That, you know, if it was a story about, um, let's say, like a heart disease and people eating oils, it wasn't just like uh, stock photos of someone with blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, it wasn't like we both said we should do this. We kind of just both did it. Like, we just found photos that look like us. Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. I think, you know, um, whether you're in this industry or not, you notice that a lot of times when we're talking about anything, you know, you don't see a Black person, you don't see an Asian person, or if you do, it's in the wrong context, Yeah, you know, or not even the wrong context. It's when something bad has happened, something very stereotypical, let me put it that way, Okay, you know? And I just, when we started like doing those kind of videos, like whether they're explainers or text on video or yeah. whatever, you know, it's, it's like, why can't I use a black person doing yoga? Yeah. I do yoga, you know, why can't an Asian person be at the gym lifting weights? I've seen Asian <laughs> yes. people lift like 10 times an hour that I'll ever be <laughs> able to lift. You know what I mean? And it's so important. And I know sometimes people say, um, representation uh can be performative and you know not all representation is what you think it is and i get that argument but with things like that it doesn't hurt it really doesn't and you know i i it's interesting and i i to this day still light up when i see and again i know i'm kind of getting off topic but you know um i i work out so I run because the gyms are closed in Toronto and so I run outside and I still get so excited when I see other black people running Mm. because I didn't really grow up seeing black people into like fitness and things like that like you never saw that you know and so now that I am where I am downtown um I every time I see black people running I actually like when I'm running by I like smile or wave because I just you know that acknowledgement it's just so I don't even know it's 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 so heartwarming, you mm-hmm. know, to see someone who looks like you doing things that you're interested in. Right. Or even the other day, um, I was talking to some black girlfriends again, and we were just talking about like rock music. And, mm. and someone said, you know, it's so interesting that we all loved rock music growing up, but we were all too scared to admit it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we thought people would call us whitewashed or, mm-hmm. you know, um, that black people couldn't listen to rock music and things like that. But it, it goes back to representation and that, you know, you're stronger in numbers. And I think um, when we were doing those videos, maybe it was just subconsciously, we were like, it totally was like, it was like our, like our secret way of peppering things into our work. (laughs) I like that. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like somebody told, nobody said we couldn't do it, but also nobody told us to do it. So we're just like, well, why not? Like if I'm going to search stock photos of like a gay couple, I'm going to do two gay Asian men. Like, why not? Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to, and I, Go for it. Sorry, continue. No, yeah, I just thought, like like you said, why can't these people do things that are non-stereotypical? Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was a, a really fun thing I remember. And I remember watching, like, these videos of, like, like you and I did that. And, like... Yeah. 
And I just, I also noticed that, you know, I'm not going to say like we start, uh, maybe we started or maybe we did it the most, <laughs> but no, but like, I, I just realized that once we sort of did it, um, I, I noticed other people start to do it too, yeah. or a little bit more frequently. Yeah. And I actually had people once or twice reach out to me and be like, oh, you know, I noticed that you had a lot of white people in this or, or whatever, like, can you add whatever? And I'm like, of course I will, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it, it's it's nice, again, just to see that. I mean, it might not seem like a lot because maybe the photo's up for like a couple of seconds, but people notice. They people do. notice. They really, really do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're talk, talking about things all over the board, um, mm-hmm. but if you were to say, I mean, now you've gone through a few years in different newsrooms, you've done a lot of producing of your own programming that focuses on racialized people um, in mm-hmm. all over Canada. What is your top three advice for young journalists, especially racialized journalists? Oof. Just top three. Um, top three. Not to, not, I mean, um, there's like a list of 20, but you know. I know, I know. Um, I would say be true to who you are. Oh my God, for, that was mine too. I was going to be like, yeah. do you. <laughs> I know, and I know that seems so cliche, but, like, again, when I started, I thought I had to be a certain way or act a certain way or tell certain stories. And what was that Um, certain way? You know, um... Like, Canadian uh, media consumption way. Yeah, like, for example, uh, wear my my hair a certain way or dress a certain Mm. way or talk a certain way, pitch certain stories. I, I mean, I think just one day I just it just flipped and I started talking about racialized stories because that's what I was interested in. Be true to who you are and Number tell one. the stories Be true to you who want you to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing it, um, I would say is it's okay to say no. Wow. It yes, is. Yes. Because I, I feel like um, my list a lot too. of the times where I felt so burnt out was because I kept saying yes, because again, work 10 times harder, show that you can work, you know, yeah. but you get tired. So there was one time where um, I was asked to produce something. Yeah. And I was just so emotionally exhausted and tired. Yeah. From just the realities of the world with everything going on with all the police shootings and stuff. Yeah. That I said no. And I think that was the first time I actually said no to yeah. something. Because I think, again, we're taught, especially in journalism, especially in racialized journalists, that you have to say yes to everything. And I said no. And, you know, I think they were surprised because they, <laughs> they, they made it seem like they were doing me a favor. Like, oh, look at this great opportunity we're giving you. Yeah. And I'm just like, no. You're asking said, me for a favor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, it's just like, I, I, I really, like, I can't. Like, I don't have it in me. Yeah. And this is not something that's a part of my daily work like if it's a part of my daily work and I have like cool but you're asking me to do something a little bit extra yeah and I just don't have it in me right now and I have other things to focus on I'm sorry yes you know and um I didn't feel bad about saying no you know and I don't think I've ever said no like that again (laughs) but it was it really made me feel proud because I was like I stood up for myself yeah because who knows what would have happened maybe I would have been burnt out maybe I would have went crying in the in the washroom again who knows right um and darn i had a third one uh, i'll let you what think are some of yours i'll, Maybe let, I'll, yeah, come I'll back. let you think of that while i i add on to your mine's was definitely number one be true to who you are write stories mm-hmm. that you know and i remember you know pitching a lot of editors when i was writing articles in taiwan pitching editors in new york mm-hmm. and la and they'd be like this is too niche 
And then two, three weeks later, I see like a white male writer perhaps writing the same thing. And I'm like, that's not too niche for this person to write, mm. but it is for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember pitching a lot of stories that I knew about in the newsroom. And um, mm -hmm. there was one place where I pitched the show, you know, wacky news around the world. It was because I kept telling my coworker these like wacky, funny news stories and like insane stories around the world. And he didn't believe me. And so every <laughs> time we would Google it and I'd be like, see, told you. <laughs> and that's kind of how the show started. And mm -hmm. I think like we go to work and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned you have to dress a certain way, speak a certain way, t pitch a certain stories. But why do racialized journalists have to quote unquote code switch when we go into work? Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like code switching, figuring out your microaggressions, figure out what you should navigate and play the chess game takes up mm -hmm. so much energy from us that like it does we just want to do it's work. exhausting it's exhausting mm -hmm. we just want to do work pay us correctly fairly we'll do the work and we'll do it extra we'll do it well because i don't think mm -hmm. we'll we'll produce terrible work anyways but like mm -hmm. and and then it goes into number two where you said say no respect my boundaries i think in your life mm -hmm. i think when you're young you're very go-getter i want to i mean even yeah. even in that role that i had was a mat leave contract so in the beginning of the year i, I said yes to a lot of things i you know per, produced excellent work and I wanted to show that I am worthy but then the, you know mm. I, I realized that it wasn't the case that that wasn't being brought into consideration so mm -hmm. I mean as you as you navigate this industry I think think of your life as a pie chart okay like mm -hmm. work is not everything you're not defined by your work mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. your work doesn't care about you I mean that sounds really harsh but really they don't like we we saw a lot of like layoffs and restructurings at our time like they don't care that you have to pay your mortgage they don't care that um you have student debt so in that same sense like think of your life as a pie chart what is important to you what are your boundaries in terms of like work and i think every decision that you make should benefit you so there's no shame whatsoever in going to communications and going to marketing and going to another role maybe you want to become a violin teacher as a journalist <laughs> that's cool too like no like there's no amount of prestige slash notoriety in journalism that should change the way you make decisions i think it mm -hmm. takes a while <laughs> you go through a few uh jobs and you go through a few years and you talk go to your own journey go through your own journey you talk to peers and you figure out like you know like you've just got one life to live and like yeah it what's the big deal like if you're not in journalism anywhere but if you like and you're passionate and would like to stay in it also a good choice like who's who are we here to judge um and mm -hmm. I think one of the points you mentioned in the really beginning was, you know, and you were talking about a lot of shootings and you were talking about like uh, the things that happened in the summer and you still hadn't digested it. I still feel like mm -hmm. I'm digesting the Young Street van attack because mm. I remember that so vividly. It was such a big deal in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Everyone was on like on their roles. Like you get a story up, I'll make a video, I'll do the social. Mm -hmm. Like we watched that happen and unfold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I've recovered from that yet. I still haven't really like processed what happened. I just know that event happened, but like the emotions are still there. Um, and I think people don't realize that journalists take on, it's like we, we're a sponge and we take in all these stories that we reported, mm -hmm. you know, thankful and like grateful to our like colleagues that, you know, did the Atlanta shooting stories yesterday. How mm -hmm. just devastating is that? Like even me just scrolling through Twitter, reading the stuff, I'm just like, 
oh, I feel like there's a gray cloud over me. I feel really yeah. angry. I feel really I had to like get off. Yeah, I just feel like how dare this person think he can take other people's lives and so that's definitely one thing we don't talk about enough, like us digesting that info when in we're in a speed cycle of news like put this article update this put this video up you know let's get a podcast episode out on this and it's like oh man like we have and that's why i think it's important to to say no yes. sometimes you yeah. know yeah. um because like you said i've worked in positions where i've had to work let's say very late at night by myself or just with one other person and breaking news happens all the, time, all the time you know there are different time zones like just because it's night over here and people are sleeping doesn't mean something's not happening over somewhere else and i've had to cover shootings and and look at the moment someone shot or stabbed or whatever yeah. and i have to blur that and, oh god yeah and you know you just have to and it's like you have to kind of remove yourself so you can you know do it get it done yeah, yeah. but then like you said you don't process it you know and you don't realize until a little later that you're like holy crap you know, um, it can be a lot. It can be yeah. heavy. Um, and but I, I also remembered my, my third thing you had brought it up when you were speaking, which is know your worth, you know, and know Allie, I was going to just say that. No. So it's, <laughs> um, it's funny that because I actually uh, we're so excited. We both want to talk, but I'm just going to go. But because um, I think and you were one of the people who kind of brought it up because I think we were texting. I won't say about what, but I remember you were just saying like you like you have these talents, like I'm paraphrasing, like you have these talents, you know what you can do, like don't like be confident, yeah. you know? And I think um, maybe again, maybe it's just as a black woman or maybe as a black journalist, but confidence is something I lacked for a long time and I'm still working on it. Yeah. But I just felt like being a black person, you know, I, I'm made to feel like maybe I don't have certain skill sets or I'm not good at something mm -hmm. Or, or or whatever and it's amazing that within the last couple of months just working on myself that I'm just like wow I know a lot more than I thought I did yeah. you know or I can do a lot more than I thought I could you know and it's like I do have these skills I am good at this yeah. you know and I do have I should show my work do you think and it's that... not being cocky or anything it's just sorry do you think it's that because yeah. none of your bosses ever said to you what wonderful work you've done because I remember I mean, comparing me and this white guy that sat beside me, we edited pretty much the same thing, had the same results. Somebody came over to him and was like, that is wonderful. What great journalism. And then for me, it was just like expected. Mm. So we never get that recognition or that praise that we should get. And I think if it's good work, everyone should get praised for it. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think it's that because you haven't heard it much in your career? Um... Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Like I have sometimes heard like this is really good or that's a great job. And it does make you feel better. You know, it, it takes two seconds for someone to but acknowledge. Do you think it's the genuine. great work you've done? Um, I think once upon a time, maybe it was. Um, <laughs> I feel like, no, I, I really do. I feel like, um, I feel like some, how am I going to phrase this? I feel like after a lot of the Black Lives Matter uh, protests happened yeah. and a lot of the shootings and everything, I feel like people went a little overboard, if that makes sense. Performative. Like, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could see right through it, yeah. you know? Um, and it was, uh, and it kind of still happens to this day. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, like, relax. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, it's, it's just 
be like treat people decently and if you're gonna like you said if if your white coworker or whomever is getting praised you know and and you're doing like you're working on something hard too it takes two seconds to be like amy you're doing a good job too or how can i help yeah. how can i support you know it all comes down to fairness and, like exactly just treat everyone fairly yeah. you know yeah. because i can tell we're not stupid we can tell when you're doing the most you know <laughs> you're um, doing too much and it's like yeah, but it's like it's like people just hit like either they just ignore you well i shouldn't say ignore but just like no no praise no nothing or they're all up in your face and it's just like just there's a middle ground just be real and you just keep missing it for some reason <laughs> like i don't i, I, don't, I have secondhand it's, embarrassment it's... just hearing that story like when someone's like being really phony and trying to compliment yeah. you and i'm like i remember i was just... i was summoned to a meeting and summoned. before they were talking about the, the tone problem i had one of them was like you're a really great editor and i was like i don't need to hear that i, I don't know why i said that but i was like okay yeah. don't tell me like i don't need to hear that like because i knew it mm -hmm. was sandwiched between you do yeah great they were work. trying to butter yeah, you up you do great work mm -hmm. but you have a attitude problem because you said mm -hmm. like no thanks to me and i was like you know confidence takes knowing your worth and confidence takes a while to it does build to, to build up and to sort I'm of still building sort of sink in but i think also like i mean it takes time but mm -hmm. also like i think young journalists cannot expect to go from zero to a hundred you know i think mm -hmm. with if you just think of apps and tech, like everything is like, it, it's instant. You can get it instantly, but in your career, mm -hmm. and I think it's many careers, not just in journalism, you can't go from zero to hundred. You just cannot, mm -hmm. you know, you have to fail as many times as you can learn from it, know what you're not going to do next time. Learn from people. This is why I think mentors is so important. Um, yes which is something I still think we're lacking in Canadian media. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you and I talk, we're friends and we're coworkers mm -hmm. and we're allies of each other. And like, we, we talk very real, you know, there's no perfect, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we don't need to hide things behind professional speak. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But, you know, like I said, young journalists, you need to go from zero to 20, you know, go back to 15, mm -hmm. it, you know, explode yourself to 50, go back a bit. Like there's no shame in, taking your time and i think me being 10 years into journalism already i've jumped around a lot i've done a lot of video i've done podcasts i've i worked mm -hmm. in tech um and i've always thought that you know there's no wrong decision every decision you make mm -hmm. as long as it benefits you and your career mm -hmm. your family what's mm -hmm. good for you mm -hmm. and your life i'm supportive and you should do it yeah, so no and i mm -hmm. No, and I agree. And um, you were actually part of a, a Twitter space I held yes. um, a week or so ago. Thank you so much for, for being a part of that. It was so short notice. And I think I like you were one of the people I texted you at 4 You texted me at 4 I'm like, why are you not sleeping? Are you okay? <laughs> Honestly, no, because I am so passionate about certain things that I just can't sleep, you know? And it's <laughs> even with the, the shootings in Atlanta, you know? Like, I I couldn't sleep. I couldn't you know? sleep either, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, and again, I'm not part of the Asian community, but it's like, it's when you're an ally and you really care about people, you know, yeah. things affect you. And I'm not going to say, like, if you can't sleep, you, you don't care, but, you know, that's just how I work. But anyways, <laughs> um, but in that Twitter space, you know, something that was very real that I appreciated, and I can't remember who said it, I'm sure it was multiple people, Yeah. but they said, you know, it's okay to take a break totally. from journalism. Ebb and flow. You know? That's your life. Yeah, and and I I wish I was told that advice. Yeah, because I always felt like if I didn't stick to it, I would be seen as a failure. 
you would you know be so i like always soldiered through edged out of the industry yeah you know and and people have like listen i i left i went to babysit i worked at a coffee shop i, I can't remember the exact jobs they said they held but it's not like if you leave for a second that it's going to run away from you journalism will always be here and another thing i really appreciated from that chat was the different types of journalism that there that yes. there are yeah. you know um i think a lot of people think either you have to be on air or you have to like write or or whatever but there's different uh uh, facets of, of uh, hopefully that's the right word I'm using, of, of journalism to be in, you know, whether it's the communication side or the business side or the podcasting side, going to smaller publications, yeah. you know, there are so many great smaller publications because of all the layoffs we've seen within the last several months in journalism. I've really been following a lot of indie publications yeah. and they are great, yeah. you know, and I, I think people always think you have to go to like, uh, Bell or Rogers or Legacy, Global or, yeah. or Chorus or yeah, yeah you know Legacy and it's either. like you don't have to you can go somewhere smaller and and work your way up or go somewhere smaller and then do your own thing you know and I, I think that's what's so great with our generation our generation and the younger generation is that we're seeing a lot more young folks do their own thing yeah. on their own terms and I, I want to praise yeah it. and I want to praise them for that bravery because one thing I often think about is I I have the privilege of knowing I can fall back on my family. Like I always think of things like best case scenario and then worst case scenario. Like when I'm deciding mm -hmm. on things or when I, you know, mm -hmm. am, am anxious about a decision, it's like, what is the worst case scenario that ha could happen? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not that bad. What is the best case? Mm -hmm. That's great, that'll give me delight. Do you think a lot of journalists of color who experience like really terrible work experiences and like almost break down and have to go in thinking they're playing chess every day and have this depressed feeling. Do you think they stick to it because they're like, I need the paycheck? It's very oh, yeah. real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? I, I have in the past. Yeah. I'll, I'll be totally honest. You know, I've had conversation with people where it's like, where they're like, oh, I can't because you know, I have bills to pay or yeah. like, this is very real, you know? Um, and it's not that we don't love journalism, you know, but it's just- It doesn't love us back. Well, no, but you also have to be realistic. Exactly. Like we have, I mean, we all work because we have things to pay for, yep. you know? Um, so, and, and like you said, you know, some people are in certain positions where like, let's say you can fall back on your family. I don't have that option, yeah. you know? Yep. Um, so when I'm thinking about making certain moves or doing certain things, I also have to think about, okay, how is this going to affect me? I have to plan, you know, exactly. um, or other people may have to plan. Um, and it's, it's tough. And also, um, you had brought something up earlier and, and I, and I want to bring it back around where it's like, sometimes as racialized journalists, we're not just taking care of ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. we, we tend to have bigger households mm -hmm. and we tend to also care for our family, yeah. you know, um, whether that's our immediate family or family back home or yeah. whatever, you know, and, it's like people sometimes don't realize that, you know, our paycheck isn't just for us. We're, we're sharing it, yeah. you know? Um, I, so, I've mm. had people ask me, like, why don't you just leave? Or, like, why are you still here? You know, if I complain about a job. And it's like, you can't just say that to people. Like, you don't know people's circumstances. But it's not even that. It's like, not why should I leave? It's mm. like, why isn't the system better for us, you know? And I think yeah. that's what we also have to realize. It's it's like, and I've, I've had that thought before. It's like, why should I leave? I didn't 
do anything you know i'm 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 just existing as a black woman and if that intimidates you or you're upset by that that's on you not me and i've had to learn that you know yeah um but yeah yeah um what do you think canadian media will look like in the next five years because i know one of the complaints of our, I would say, our cohort of journalists who are racialized mm-hmm. is that there are no leaders of color in, in leadership position. And slowly there has been more promotions. And these are mm-hmm. excellent journalists who've like toughed it out to get to that space because I know a lot of people, uh, journalists of color, don't make it to that management leadership mm-hmm. role because mm-hmm. they're fed up. They, they're like, I don't need to deal with this shit. You know, I can mm-hmm. make more money, mm-hmm. less stress. Maybe I have a family to take care of now. But mm-hmm. with that in mind, we know the mm-hmm. system is not perfect. Mm-hmm. What does five, ten years look like for journalism in Canada? I, yeah. So, again, I think there is a shift coming. Um, and when I say shift, I feel like the way we report and like I was saying earlier, just whether it's a certain words we use, whether it's being a little bit more editorial in mm. how we write things. Yeah. I also feel like a lot more uh, independent journalism, indie publications right. are going to probably take off and see a little bit more success, which I'm excited about. I see a lot more people doing their own thing like you with this podcast. You yes. know, I think that's that's really great to see. Um, so I think people are really going to start taking things into their own hands. I just think it's it's getting out of that mindset that, hey, I don't have to be with these legacy or these bigger companies. I can do things on my own terms. But again, I also understand because, um, or, or I should say it's easier for me to say because I am with a bigger company, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I also understand the risk in, in doing things like that, you yeah. know. Um, so again, from the space, from what I can remember, you know, I think it's important to have your day job, your nine to five, but don't give up on what it is you want to do. You can do, right. you can start working on that, building that foundation. You know, all you have to do is take the first step. And again, I know this all seems cliche. But I know. All you have to it's do like is take the first step. It's like elder people it, talking, telling you advice. <laughs> Sounds cliche, but it's so true. <laughs> but it's so true. You know, all you have to do is take the first step. And if you're nervous or scared, that's why it's so great to have people in your corner. And when I say people in your corner, not just like yes men or women, yeah. like, people who will actually be like this is what's up yeah and be honest with you and yeah. and be willing to to help you or guide you i can't tell you how many people i am in debt to <laughs> because i have grateful to their brain yeah or yeah and yeah. just you know called them whether i've worked with them or not you know there have been people who i just follow you know and i i love their work and i'm like can I just talk to you or, you know, this is going on. Can I get your advice? And I sure. think one thing that's so great with racialized journalists is that we're so willing to help each other. We are. And it's yeah. kind of like you said with that, with that former coworker, when he kind of just, you know, it seemed like he, he went in to that door and just slammed it shut. You know, <laughs> we're willing to keep the door open and say, Hey, come with, Yeah. you know, there's and enough cake for so everyone. Great. There's enough there cake is. for there's everyone. A- there's more than enough, more than enough. for everyone. So as and we, I, I, sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, no, go. So as we kind of wrap up, I want to touch upon, mm-hmm. and this is kind of, this was mentioned in your Twitter spaces um, session and someone asked this and I thought it was such a great question to ask because it's very constructive. Mm-hmm. 
We talk about mm-hmm. the importance of allyship, but what mm-hmm. are some things that allies, you know, maybe people who are not racialized in the newsroom mm-hmm. can help do, or if they're an editor? I think for me, one is like, if you see a story that is uh, maybe this person would know better, this journalist, you know, email them and reach the out and like commission that story mm-hmm. to them. It'll help you mm-hmm. like, then they don't have to Google the whole thing. They can write about their lived experiences, their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's who they are. They know this story, like the back of their hand, they don't need to Google it. So I think mm-hmm. that's a great start. Second, I would think is to speak up when you do see unfairness mm-hmm. in the newsroom. When it comes to allyship, I'm thankful at least like the the non-black folks I have in my life, specifically, let's say the white people. We, we had some they're... great ones in our newsroom too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're very vocal. Yes. You know, they are very, sometimes yeah. they will just be like, I got it, relax. You know, they like pull like, the okay. chair up for us and it's like, yeah. sit now. And we're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll, they'll just go at it, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm again, so appreciative of that. And I'm not saying that every ally looks like that. Yes. Or but, needs you know, to do that. I, yeah. But I'm, again, I'm thankful because it's not just, again, I know we were talking about this performative. They're actually like doing the work, speaking up, you know? Yeah. Um, another form of allyship is just people who call sometimes just to um, talk. And again, um, I I know some people are going to agree and some people aren't. Um, and for what me, is your hot take? People... Give us your hot take. <laughs> no, but if I'm being honest, I've had people who are like, hey, can we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, black lies or what's going on and i'm just like this is not a conversation i can have with you because mm-hmm. you and i are not that close mm-hmm. and i feel like there's going to be a lot of explaining there's a lot I just of don't work. have the energy for there's a lot of work yes. on your part and it's expected exactly. for you to do that work and it's like no 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 no, no. Yes. come to me when you're ready and like let's have the exactly. same let's have the same experience yeah. instead of expecting yeah. me to teach you to level up on exactly. this exactly but then I've had friends who are, who are white who will go out, you know, I, I know this one great girl, I won't say her name, but she, her and I became friends at one of my first journalism uh, jobs, mm. newsrooms I was in. And to this day, her and I are so close, white, white woman. And, you know, I saw her, we went for a social distance walk back yeah. last summer. And, you know, we were just talking about other things, but then we got on the topic of race and everything. And you can just tell when people are they genuinely care and they're yes. genuinely trying. Yes. And, and, you know, she, she told me some things that she's done in the past that she's not proud of, not like saying the N word or anything, but like just things she was like, you know, I didn't realize until something, you just need that moment. And unfortunately, you know, a lot for a lot of people that was the George Floyd moment. Mm. Um, but you know, she, she was just like, you know, I've, I've done this, you know, I'm working or, you know, um, She'll ask me things, and I was willing to talk to her because we had that relationship and respect for each other. Yeah. And I could tell that she was actually, um, she actually cared. And she was one of the people who, you know, just always checked in. You know, there was a moment during all that, and, and I know we're kind of going over time, but during all those protests, there was a moment, a good probably two, three weeks, where I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't function, basically. So much chaotic and I was still energy. Ex- and, then, and I was still expected to do my work, yeah. you know, and it was a little heartbreaking because I knew I wasn't taking care of me, but, you know, there were people who, allies who, you know, they would check in on me and they'd be like, you don't sound well or you don't look well. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not really eating, like brush mm-hmm. it off. And next thing I knew, 
they would order like a pizza to my door and it was just oh, so nice that's so sweet it because they're nice, listening you know? they're listening to what you're yeah, saying yeah you know yeah. and even though i wasn't super hungry i made an effort to eat it because i was like they, it just shows that they're they care and they're listening yeah, you know yeah so now you're like gonna receive that, a like bunch it's... of pizzas to your door <laughs> oh god no no <laughs> but you know what i mean it's just it's like small things like that it's... like you don't always have to put on a grand show no it's a, it's but, an energy yeah. and i think it's an energy yeah. too i mean hopefully one mm. day in the next 20 30 40 years we don't really have to distinguish between racialized journalists and non-racialized journalists i think yes that yes. is my hope but i'm not but it's important to right now it really is and a lot of people say it's it's like why seems like you guys are just trying to separate mm. more separate it more and it's like no we have to make that distinction because when we group everyone together you're not getting it you know so we have <laughs> to separate ourselves and show you what's happening before we can all come back together but yeah i i agree i hope in the near future <laughs> we we don't have to be talking like this but you know i am um, i'm not really optimistic no i'm not either i i say a, a nice thing to close off at the end yeah but like, i know who knows if that's ever gonna... <laughs> well i said nicely but who, who yeah, knows if that's know. ever gonna happen but Allie, thank you yeah. so much for spending time no, with thank us you. this was fun i think i hope people learn a little bit more about yeah. you like the realness that we talked about of course we could have got deeper yeah. and more real but you know maybe that's for next next podcast yeah, we really episode. but i um <laughs> yeah. appreciate all the work that you've done i really love oh, the time you. that You're we spent friend. together as co-workers yeah. and as friends and i think i wouldn't have made it out of that place in the same mindset and mm -hmm. if i didn't have everyone who was you know my co-worker mm -hmm. and my friends there really so i really appreciate yeah. that time that we spent together oh. and i hope and you Me know too. i miss the dinner parties of you guys coming over so i hope yeah. this uh ends. and amy you always stayed with the treats <laughs> i remember you brought um you brought these treats and i remember i just love them so much and one day he had like a can on my desk oh, those, and when uh... i tell you i went through that in like a week not even probably less maybe you'll expect that at your door soon <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. It was I like the, you. But, uh, you know, the milk candies. Yeah. yeah, but you were great too. You and um, we have another friend who usually us three would talk, and you two really helped me um, become more confident. You know, you two really helped. Um, I know we were talking about earlier when we we're like, did that just happen? Yeah. You know, you guys really validated my experiences, and I am so so grateful for you and your friendship. And thank you, Amy. I really do appreciate it. So when the weather gets good, this COVID thing kind of yes. chills out a bit. I'm going to throw yes. like a coworker, maybe dinner at my place or like yes. a, like a pic outdoor it. picnic. That'd be cute. Yeah. That'd be really cute. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you, Allie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Eggnata Chit Chat. Join us next time for more.